Our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. Today we conclude our Sunday sermon series on the Savior we needed. And we consider the amazing truth that Jesus brings us what no one else could ever offer or give. He brings life for the dead. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I invite your hearts and your ears to the word written in 2 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 17. But the woman conceived... And she gave birth to a son at that same time of year, just as Elisha said to her. The boy grew up, and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. Then he said to his father, My head, my head! His father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and carried him to his mother, and the boy sat on her lap until noon. Then he died. Then she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. She shut the door behind her and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send one of the servants to me with one of the donkeys so that I can run to the man of God and come back. He said, Why are you going to him today? It's not the new moon and it's not the Sabbath. But she said, It's all right. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead the way, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her from a distance, he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, that's the woman from Shunem. Now run to meet her and say, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? She answered, We're all right. Then she came to the man of God at the mountain and she grasped his feet. Gehazi stepped forward to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone, for her soul is in distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me. He has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, don't give me false hope? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, hike up your garments for travel and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet someone, do not greet him, and if someone greets you, do not answer. Put my staff on the boy's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went ahead of them and put the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound and there was no response. So he went back to Elisha and told him the boy did not wake up. When Elisha came to the house, there the boy was, dead, lying on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them. And he prayed to the Lord. He got up and lay down on top of the boy. He put his mouth to the boy's mouth, his eyes to the boy's eyes, his palms to the boy's palms. Then he bent down over him, and the boy's flesh became warm. He went back into the house and paced back and forth. Then he went up and bent down over him, and the boy sneezed seven times. Then the boy opened his eyes. Then Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the woman of Shunem. 
So he called her and she came in. He said, pick up your son. So she came in and fell at Elisha's feet and bowed down to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. The word of our God. My dear family in Christ, it is what I, I guess you could call the crown jewel of our Christian faith. We say it out loud regularly. Maybe we end up just kind of glossing over it or taking it for granted, but it's remarkable. I believe in the resurrection of the body. That's remarkable. We're confessing the truth that on the last day that we call Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus will come back and will give a command and he will raise our bodies from the grave and reunite them with our soul. And we will live forever and death will never be heard from ever again. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the cure for death. He conquered death and because of what Jesus has done, he is able to offer and to promise that crown jewel of our Christian faith, life everlasting. The Savior we needed is a Savior who brings life for the dead. Back in 1905, a man named Frederick Wells was doing a routine inspection of the mine shaft that he supervised. As he walked along, he noticed a glimmer on one of the walls. So he pulled out his pocket knife and he carefully pried this huge rock out of the wall of the mine. Could it be, he thought? No, probably not, far too big. It's probably some glass or some crystal but what if it was real? He took this huge rock up to his manager's office and the clerks quickly dismissed it. Too big, it's gotta be rock, glass or crystal, they said. And from what I've read, they literally threw it out the window. But then they were convinced and went and retrieved it and inspected it and sure enough, they discovered that it was a large diamond of dazzling clarity at an unheard of size, 3,106 carats of diamond, the largest diamond by far ever discovered. And it was almost left for worthless, thrown out the window. That huge diamond was eventually cleaned up and, and cut into nine huge diamonds and 91 brilliance. The largest of those gems is the largest clear-cut diamond in existence. It is called the Star of Africa. And in its finished state, it is a 530-carat diamond. Now, if your head is spinning, thinking about how amazing it would be to have something that valuable, please stop. You have something even more valuable. In this world, we keep looking for ways to cheat death. <coughs> to extend life. 
We, we look for ways to live longer, to be stronger. But no matter what we try, you're born and you live, and eventually you die. You have something of inestimable value. You have Christ, a Savior. And in him, you have the cure for death. And because of Jesus, you can regularly say, not as a wish, but as your bedrock truth, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Now, to think about that a little more fully, let's travel back to 2 Kings chapter 4 and spend a little time with a really remarkable woman. She's a spiritual role model. We aren't even told what her name was. She's simply referred to as the woman from Shunem. But if she were here today among us, she would tell you all about the Lord her God, the one who is able to give life to the dead. The prophet at this time was the prophet Elisha. He was ministering to God's people in Israel. He took over for his predecessor, Elijah, who had been taken to heaven. During his business trips for the Lord, Elisha would regularly come to the area of Shunem. The Bible tells us that a devout, believing woman lived there. She happened to be rather well-to-do, and she would routinely invite Elisha to come to her house and to enjoy a meal and spend some time. And the Bible says that eventually she said this to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. And so that's just what she did. And sometime later, on another trip, as Elisha was upstairs enjoying his new apartment, he decided that he wanted to show her his gratitude, a reward of grace. His servant Gehazi reminded him that she and her husband had not been blessed with children. And so after being prompted by the Lord, Elisha told her that by that time next year, she and her husband would have a son. And that's just what happened. And then some years later, that little boy was out spending time with his father. He was out in the field supervising the men who were gathering his crops. And it happened. This little boy said, my head, my head. Some have guessed heat stroke, others have guessed an aneurysm, we aren't told, but he's taken to his mother and she puts him on her lap and rocks him until noon. And then he died. She takes his lifeless body up to Elisha's room and laid him on the bed and then sent word to her husband that she was heading off to see the prophet Elisha. We can't say for certain, but her husband's response seems to show his lack of spiritual life or any understanding of the things of God. He's basically saying to her, look, it's, it's not the Sabbath day. It's not a special religious festival where you'd be required to go and think about the Lord. Why are you doing that? But she went to find Elisha anyway because she trusted in God's almighty power. And in the midst of her unspeakable grief, 
She put her confidence in the Lord. My son died, Elisha, but the Lord lives. He's big and strong and powerful. He's the Lord of life and death. Come with me, Elisha. Everything's going to be all right. Lord, give me a faith like that, right? Elisha hurried back to Shunem with her, hoping and praying that the Lord would grant success to his efforts. Gehazi didn't have that success. Elisha went into the room. He prayed to the Lord, stretched out on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, palms to palms. And his body stirred with life. The Lord raised her son from the dead. God brought her son back to life. Imagine that mother's joy when her son is presented to her alive and well. It's striking, isn't it? And maybe it's just because she knew time was of the essence or didn't want to get into any lengthy explanations, but it's striking, isn't it, when she says to her husband and again to Gehazi, it's all right. How about you? Are you all right? I mean, in terms of things that really, truly matter, issues of eternal life and eternal death, are you all right? Because time was when we weren't all right. In fact, we were all wrong. Born into this world with an inherited sinfulness that had separated us from our God. Born into this life with sin in our hearts and lives that eventually would lead to death and then eternal death in hell. But what he did for that Shunammite woman, the Lord did for us. He gave us a son. Not just an heir to bring us a lifetime of joy, but a son that he gave us to give us an everlasting joy. God didn't just give us a son. God gave us his son. And like the son of this Shunammite woman, God's son died. Not of a heat stroke or of an aneurysm or of anything that was wrong with him. He died because of what was wrong with us. He died to free us from the sin that we were born with. He died for all of those times in life when we've acted like this woman's husband, apparently unable to see what the things of God really have to do with life in the quote-unquote real world. He died for all of those times that we have wrongly imagined that we're all right, all by ourselves. We don't really have any sins in our hearts or lives that are all that serious. That's a lie. He died for all of those times when we've turned to and trusted in everything but the word of the Lord for help and for rescue. And Jesus died for all of those times when life's problems and troubles and traumas have not left us running to the Lord, but have made us angry with the Lord. With the not-so-subtle implication that we deserve better from him than that. But of course we don't. And like this woman's son, God's son suffered for a time, not on his mother's lap until noon, 
but on Calvary's cross until 3 p.m. And then God's son died. And his body was placed not on the bed in some upstairs apartment, but in the borrowed tomb. And, and, and Jesus' disciples held their collective breath, and they wondered, and they worried, and they feared. But on the third day, God raised his son from the dead, and Christ Jesus came from the grave, proof of God's answer to the otherwise unsolvable problems of sin and death. They are gone. God gave us what we so desperately needed, a Savior who brings life for the dead, and it's because of him, but only because of him, that we can stand shoulder to shoulder and say it loudly and clearly, I believe in the resurrection of the body. That is such a powerful gift that it not only changes the way that we think about eternity, it changes the way we think about our life here and now. I mean, we are already living in this new life that we have in Christ. It shapes us, it defines us, it motivates us. So let me ask you, why do you do it? Why do you sacrifice your Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, to hear and to ponder and to apply God's saving word, to gather with your brothers and sisters and to give God praise? Why do you do it? Why do you offer God a generous first fruit percentage of what he has blessed you with in an income wise as an offering to the Lord week in and week out? Why do you do that? Why do you keep your language free from the kind of vulgar, ungodly language that you hear from the mouths of so many others these days? Why do you do that? Why would you agree to serve on various boards and committees and get involved in various projects and ministries here at our church or school when you don't get paid a dime to do it? Why do you do it? And the Shunammite woman, Why'd she do it? That's what her husband wanted to know. Why would you go see the prophet? I mean, it's not even the Sabbath day. And look, our son is dead. What was Elisha going to be able to do about that anyway? And for that matter, maybe he also wondered why she had that, that apartment built for Elisha and why she kept on inviting him over for dinner and why she clung to every word of the Lord that fell from Elisha's lips and why she begged him to come to her house to visit her dead son. But you know, she did what she did and Elisha did what he did and we do what we do for one single reason, because we have a God who promises and delivers what no one else ever could, life for the dead. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have, we already have everlasting life in the perfect new heaven and new earth that will be ours forevermore. That diamond, that star of Africa, today it resides in the Tower of London as part of the crown jewels. Those are holdings that display the, the wealth of the Royal House of Windsor. You can catch a glimpse of that big star of Africa whenever the ruler of England 
is holding the scepter. Queen Elizabeth, now King Charles. The, the crown jewel sits right there at the top of the scepter. Its value today, I've read, is estimated at more than $2 billion. What did the royal family have to pay to acquire that diamond? Nothing. It was given in 1507 as a gift to King Edward VII for his 66th birthday. A stone that was thought to be worthless turned out to be a stone of priceless value. And it was given away at no cost. Just like the crown jewel of our Christian faith, a free gift, but a priceless treasure. Embrace the one who won that for you. Love him and serve him and trust in him and worship him and praise and honor him in everything that you do and share him freely with others. He's the cure for death. He's given us this crown jewel, everlasting life, this Savior who comes bringing life for the dead. Amen.